Okay, good morning, Chodesh Tov. Enjoy some coffee. A reminder, uh, there's always an opportunity to sponsor this year, every week, or just sponsor it for the year. Please be in touch if you're interested uh, with Linda, and she will give you the details. This morning, we're going to start a new piece, and um, we'll see how far we get, and we'll continue it. It's from, from Revolba in Ale Shor. Revolba was a great mashkiach in Yerushalayim, uh, really considered, so to say, the mashkiach of the generation. Mashkiach, not in the sense that he supervised the kashros. Mashkiach ruchani. He supervised the kashros of the growth of our souls and uh, giving a spiritual advice in the, in the path and spirit of the Muslim movement of Rabbi Yisrael Salanter. He was a great uh, mashkiach. Rav Vobo was a Talmud of the mashkiach of the Mir, of Rav Yerucham, um, and uh, left us a legacy, including his printed works with his own words, which is Ale Shor, two volumes of Ale Shor. So this comes from the, the back of the second volume. It's page Tov Kuf Pei Ches in Ale Shor Chelek Beis. And like I said, we'll see how far we get today. And if not, we'll please God continue it until we get through this piece. So the Revolva says the following. Hatfili Yaderech Livnos Bitachon. Sponsor this week? Oh, okay. Also in memory of... Uh, in Miriam's memory. Okay, so great, grateful to the Orleans for sponsoring. I didn't... Have it. Thank you very much. And Hashem should continue to have an Aliyah. Amen. Amen. If we, again, what the purpose of our group, we get together, please God, weekly, to uh, grow, to be a support group in the area of Amuna and Bitachon. To grow in our sense of faith and trust in Hashem. Things that we know are true, we've investigated how we know they're true, and it just needs support, it needs chizuk. It needs us reminding ourselves that when we start to get anxious or worried or stressed, when we start to neglect Hashem, when we're feeling happy or joyous, whether you're a Yankee fan and you're miserable this morning, or a Red Sox fan, or a Red Sox fan and you're and you're grateful this morning, whichever way, it's uh, it's in this uh, very insignificant, meaningless, silly thing in life. But it's Hashem's will. Everything's Hashem's will. You can't get upset about anything. It's uh, it's what Hashem wants. So whether it's something major and challenging, or whether it's something minor and inconsequential, but we are trying to gain that skill set, that mindfulness to be able to live life and navigate our way through life always with a uh, sense that Hashem is with us, Hashem is watching over us, that everything that He's doing is for our best. So what is exactly the best methodology to grow, to work in this area of bitachon? It's something we know is true, and yet it's something that most of us neglect. We struggle to fulfill. Like, like the most basic foundational fundamental truths in our lives, the more foundational it is, often the more we take it for granted, the more we neglect it like the most important relationships in our lives, like our health. We all know what we should eat and not eat, how we should exercise and not sit still. And yet, it's hard to do. So bitachon is something we know. We feel Hashem's guiding hand. We believe in the omnipotent, infinite being who created the world and who helps orchestrate it. We believe in providence. But how do we inject that? How do we inculcate that in our daily lives? So when things are going right, we remember to be grateful to Him. And when things are going, or they feel like they're going wrong, we remember to defer to Him and His master plan over ours that we can conquer our sense of anger or our sense of anxiety or our impatience or our whatever challenge it is. So Revolba's suggestion is the following. If you want to build a sense of bitachon inside yourself, you want to grow in a sense of bitachon, the answer, the exercise is tefillah, it's prayer. And in order to understand what he means, says Revolba, says the Mashkiach, to understand what I mean, that the way to grow in our sense of faith in Hashem is through prayer, we have to take a closer look at this sugya, this Gemara and Brachos, which says the following, Eizah ben Olam Habazaz, Soma Gulul Tefillah, Shel Arvis. 
who is a Ben Olam Hava? Who qualifies as gaining entry into the world to come? What is the quality you need? The person who observes Shabbos the best? The person who keeps the most kosher? The person who shuckles the most? What is the behavior, what is the practice that one has to do if you want to be guaranteed a portion of the world to come? You want to break through and gain entrance. So the Gemara says, you know what it is? Shocking. Not the person who gives the most slaka. Who is it? In Marav, we do it in the morning, but particularly at night, we, um, we have Ge'ula L'Tfila. We end Ga'al Yisrael. We have a bracha that ends Ga'al Yisrael. Hashem is the Redeemer of Israel. And then we have the Amida. And a person who makes sure not to interrupt. A person who makes sure that there's no barrier. A person who makes sure that there's no time lapse between making the bracha of Ge'ula, acknowledging God as the Redeemer of Israel, and then turning to Hashem and davening, oh, such a person, such a person is a ben olam haba. Kosher can the shacharis dikar gulos mitzrayim shacharis hayd chsiv b'machras apesav yatzi yisrael, and not only at night, but all the more so at the davening in the morning, which is the last bracha we say in the morning. In the evening we have hashkivenu and baruch Hashem liolam in between, but in the morning we say gaal yisrael and we take our three steps forward and we begin our amida. Smichas gula tefila. We have the similar uh, juxtaposition. We have the similar continuity in Tehillim, where David HaMelech says, Hashem God is my rock and my redeemer. And then he says, Yan the end of Yudtes, going into Kapitol Chaf. It ends, God, you are my rock and my redeemer. And then he continues, So Hashem, answer me on my day of need. So Revolva says, of course the Gemara. You want to grow in Bitachon daily? You want to do an exercise. You could work out your muscles. You could get a cardio workout. You could work out all kinds of things these days. You could work out your mind in order to not lose your memory. You could work out your eyes so you don't have to wear reading glasses. There are all kinds of exercises for different um, benefits that we want. Well, the exercise for growing the Amuna Bitachon muscle daily, that exercise is tefillah, is prayer. And which prayer? To specifically be mindful in Gula Latfila. God is the Redeemer of Israel going into tefillah. And the question is why? Why? Doing it in Marav, doing it in Shacharis, being very mindful that when I say Gaal Yisrael, Hashem Sfasai Tiftach, I don't take a break. I'm not distracted. I'm not interrupted. But I make it right away. Why? Why is that so important? Why does that guarantee me a portion of the world to come? So listen to what Rabbeinu Yonah says. Rabbeinu Yonah of Grown of Spain, one of the medieval uh, Rishonim, says the following. Uh, really? That's it? That's all you have to do? You're stingy, you don't get stuck. You're kind, you're, you're cruel, and you're harsh, and you're mean, and you don't do acts of kindness. You uh, neglect Hashem, and you don't observe His Torah and mitzvahs. But when it comes to davening, you make sure to go right into the Amida after Gal Yisrael. That's it? That's all you need? How could it be? Vodam or Mori, Tam Achim Neshagmatsky, Gulam Israim, Mispalel, Miyadu Marash Botech Bashem Betfila, Kemish Mavakesh Menu Trachab, Shemishaina Botech Boli, Vakesh Menu Klum. Says Rabbeinu Yonah the following. He has a tradition from his Rebbeim. And his suggestion is the following. Incredible suggestion. He says, Why is it so valuable? Why is it so important? And why does it gain us entry into Olam Haba? Because what is the theme of Gaal Yisrael? What does it mean to acknowledge God as the Redeemer of Israel? What it means is to take a moment and to pause and to do a survey of Jewish history and to look back at Jewish history and realize that everything happened for a rhyme and a reason. 
that there was a navigating hand, that nothing was coincidental or random or chance, that Hashem had a master plan and orchestrated everything until the point that it is today. And just like the Jews in Egypt, who after 210 years were ready to give up, they were ready to forfeit, they were filled with anxiety and worry, they were crumbling and being crushed under the back-breaking labor, the shortness of breath that we can relate to. Not God forbid that we are prisoners, not God forbid that we are inmates or that we are servants like they were or our ancestors in different periods of persecution. We're servants in a different, we have a different oppressor called the rat race of life. We have a different oppressor called technology, smartphones, the internet, social media. Our life is characterized by noise. Running, 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 running. We have just much avoda kasha. We have this incredible responsibility, obligation, this backbreaking pressure to make it and pay the bills and pay tuition and buy kosher food and, and keep up with others. And we also have a kotzeruach, a shortness of breath, because we're running, 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 doing, 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 and we never press pause. We never, ever stop and disconnect to reconnect to what matters. So we too are crumbling. So just like our ancestors after 210 years of backbreaking labor, of shortness of breath, of noise, 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 of no space to even believe they could have a better future, Lo Moshe comes and he says, guess what, I got great news. I'm about to take away your technology. I got great news. I'm about to help you take a sabbatical from work. I'm about to liberate you. You're going to go free. And they say, ah, they get out of our way. We got too much to do. There's too much noise. There's too much to see. There's too much to post. There's too much to follow. There's too much to read. There's too much to do. Get out of our way. Who has time to hear your message of positivity and optimism? There's just too much noise. Just being carried in the momentum of life. Who has time? Who has time? They rejected. They sent Moshe and his message away. So 210 years, they're crumbling. They're being crushed. They call out. They cry out to Hashem. They can't take it anymore. And out of nowhere, when it seems that all hope is lost and that Hashem is nowhere to be found... Ten plagues, splitting of the sea, marching to freedom, gift of a Torah, birth of a nation. Everything comes together. Says Rabbeinu Yonah, what does it mean? We just say those two words, Ga'al Yisrael, Hashem, you're the redeemer of Egypt. Of Egypt. You're the redeemer of Israel from Egypt. But in those two words are our faith, our affirmation, that nothing is random, nothing is chanced, and just like in the past you orchestrated everything, so too right now, everything happening to me. It may be painful, it may be pleasurable. It may be filled with hope, it may be filled with despondency. Whatever's happening to me right now, just like in the past you were the Redeemer of Israel, everything was for a reason, everything made sense, everything was for the best, everything was at your hand, so too everything happening right now is because of you. And only when I say those two words, Ga'al Yisrael, you are the Redeemer of Israel. Only when I can affirm God through history, am I ready to ask God for help in destiny. Only when I see Hashem's hand in the past, can I genuinely be reaching out for his hand in the future? And that's what it means to be Sumach Geulah Tzvila. When you say Gal Yisrael, and then right then, no pause, no interruption, no break, no looking at anything else. It's not Gal Yisrael. Yeah, Shemit did that in the past. I remember I went to a Jewish history series. You were pretty good for the Jews in the past. Let me just check Facebook and then I'll dive into you. Let me just check Twitter. Let me just post this thing. Let me just check the news. Let me just see what the stock market's doing. Let me just answer this text. Let me just make this call. Let me just welcome this guy who just walked into shul. Let me just do this little interruption and then I'll get to the davening where I ask you for things. Once I make that interruption and I have a disconnect between Hashem's role in history and destiny, a disconnect between the past and the present, then it somehow detracts. It's no longer as genuine as an authentic atfila for my present. 
שם כשרו ישראל ניסו ונפלא שהיה עושה מים הבורא שלא כתיבו של עולם בתחובו. When the Jewish people saw, you know what? What's happening right now? This isn't, this isn't normal. This is unusual. By every measure of history, we should have long ago disappeared. We should have been swallowed up. We should have been exterminated, annihilated, eliminated. And yet, here we are. And not only here we are. Here we are thriving. Here we are stronger than ever. You know, as Jews, we have a natural tendency to see the bad. So... You know, there's, there's, our, our community has gone and is going through several very, very, very difficult, challenging periods of, of sudden losses of people who are very sick, really terrible stuff. And it deserves our attention and our schuyos. We should be doing things in the merit of those people. And we should be doing things in our community's merit. I don't mean to take away from that. But several people have come up to me recently about that, saying that we need to do something. What, kind, what are we doing? Where is the call to, uh, to an emergency? And I said, you know, there's no, tr- there's no question that, that you've identified those issues and we should do something about it. I said, but do you also know that we have an unprecedented amount of 90-year-olds in our community right now? And do you know how well the community is doing? And do you know by this how many babies were born this year, how many simchas were celebrated, how many people are in their 90s? Do you know how much is going on in the, in the, in the incredible positive? How come no one ever noticed that? We are skies falling, pessimist, cup is half empty, unfortunately. And I don't mean to take away from the attention that we should be putting and the merits we should be earning for the people who need it. The same is true for the condition of Jews in the world. Is there BDS and anti-Semitism and Israel have its enemies? Yes, but Israel's never been a safer place. It's never been thriving more. Things have never been better, Beli'i and Hara, for the Jewish people around the world. And the freedom and the, and, the, and, the, and the liberty and the religious freedom that we experience, the prosperity that we have, things have never been better. So when we see Hashem's guiding hand through history and we realize where we are right now, and how things have never been better or safer, or there's never been greater opportunity for the Jewish people, with all the other measures that are reasons for care and concern and worry. And again, I'm not diminishing them at all, but we have to look at the other half of the ledger too. And when you see the complete picture, you see the hand of Hashem. And when you see that hand of Hashem, the question of doubt turns into a question of certainty. We affirm our, our knowledge. We absolutely see Hashem's hand. We say it every morning in davening, before Az Yashir, when the Jewish people saw these ten plagues. You know, you could live life and you could say, oh, they're each nature. Oh, what a coincidence. Look at all these frogs. What a coincidence. Look at all these uh, iguanas. What a coincidence. We're suffering from the plague right now of iguanas. We need the cold spell to come. But what a coincidence. Look at the winds blew the right way that affected the tide, that affected the tsunami, that affected the hurricane and the sea split. Huh, what a coincidence. You could look at life as a series of coincidences, and you can try to ascribe it to nature, even though the odds of nature producing that result are a gazillion, gabillion to one. Or you could say, you know what, this defies the rules of nature. This is not natural. What's going on? This result, this isn't natural. And when you see that it's not natural, the Jewish people saw the great hand of Hashem. By the way, you can't ever see Hashem's hand if you have the noise, 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 rat race, rat race, rat race, hamster, wheel, hamster, hand. Right? When that happened, they sent Moshe away. Lo they couldn't hear Moshe's message when there's just noise and worry and anxiety and running and doing and obligation. Only when you take a few deep breaths and you disconnect and you shut down and you put your phone on airplane mode, which by the way, you're allowed to do even when you're not on an airplane. <laughs> People don't know that. So when you take a few moments and you say, I'm just going to think. I just want to think about my life. I just want to think. I just want to feel. I just want to experience. I just want to be present. 
Because otherwise we wake up at the end of a day, which turns into a week, turns into a month, turns into a year, and we weren't present for any part of that year. The whole year's just gone. Can we point to things on the calendar which we vaguely remember being at? Yeah, because we've seen it in pictures or posts on Facebook. But, but to be present, I just want to experience what it is to be present. So only, only then, when can you see Hashem's hand and realize, ha, huh, wow, that thing that happened, that's an amazing, that was amazing. Hashem orchestrated that for me, for my family, for my community, for my people. Wow, that's amazing. When can you see Hashem's hand? Only when you press pause. Only when you're present. Only when you make space and room to think. Only when you create quiet. And then, we are tapping in, we're riding on the coattails of their faith. Of their faith. So this is something I shared at the woman's show in Simchas Torah. I don't know how many of you were there. But I, I mentioned that on Rosh Hashanah, somebody who's in the recovery program um, who struggled with alcohol told me on Rosh Hashanah, that day he was having trouble connecting to Hashem. I was really struggling to connect to Hashem. So he told me that in the recovery program, there's a principle that one of the steps in the 12 steps is submitting to a higher power. Conceding and forfeiting and realizing that we're not in charge, we don't control everything. Forfeiting and submitting ourselves to a higher power. So what happens if you struggle with believing in a higher power? You don't see him, hear him, talk to him. It's very hard to connect to him. So what if you're struggling? So that person is in the moment of crisis who you're trying to engage in the program and help them make their way through the steps and show them the support, that's not the time to start taking them through the Bible codes and the discovery seminar. And that's not the time to try, you know, St. Thomas Aquinas, giving them all the pieces of evidence for Hashem's existence. That's not, you know, Aristotle and the Rambam. That's not the moment to start going through this theological, philosophical evidence of Hashem's existence. So what do you do? You're trying to give someone support and they need to submit to a higher power. That's one of the steps, but they're not in a place to do that yet right. now. They're in crisis. So what do you do? How do you move on to the next step? How do you get past that? So he said, in the recovery program, what you do is you say, believe in his higher power. Believe in her higher power. You have someone that you trust, that you love, that you believe in, someone you respect, and they have a higher power. Latch on to their higher power for now. You'll work it out, work it through later to have your relationship with the higher power. But for now, believe in their higher power. And we often view that as a low level. What do you mean? I have to work it through myself. That's not authentic. If I don't believe in it, it's counterfeit. It's fake. That's not true at all. We absolutely do believe in it. We believe in latching onto the coattails of someone else. And I suggested in the woman's year, and I, I try to do it myself all the time. There are people within our community, within our congregation, there are extraordinary people. There are people who've gone through the worst in life, whether it's Holocaust survivors among us, please God should continue to live and be well, or people who in other ways, in their own way, have gone through an incredible journey whether it's every Balchuva is an incredible story, is a hero. Every convert is an extraordinary hero. Every person who's gone through hardship and has chosen to live a life of faith nonetheless is an incredible hero. There are people all around us believe in their higher power. When you're struggling, when you're stumbling, when you're, when you're, when you're getting static, believe in their higher power. Latch onto their higher power. Grab their coattails. The famous story of the Blue Jeva Rebbe and jumping over the canal and I held on to you. So we have that ability. So we're doing that collectively every day. When you say, Gal Yisrael, when you say, Gal Yisrael, then you daven, you say, how am I supposed to daven? I don't really feel connected to Hashem. I don't feel His presence. I don't feel His love. I don't know if I love Him. I'm not even sure He exists. So what am I doing saying these words? What am I doing making this time? What am I doing standing here going through this exercise of davening when I'm not sure He exists? I don't feel His love. I don't know if I love Him. 
What am I doing? What am I doing? So first of all, we have a tefillah for that. The tefillah for that is the opening words of the Amida. Hashem sfasai tiftach, ufia giti lasafa. Hashem open my lips and allow my mouth to sing your praise. Right? Before we daven, we daven that we be able to daven. Every time we daven, it's introduced with the words, you know, I don't know how to have this conversation. I don't really feel so close to you right now. I don't really feel so connected. I might be very disappointed in you. Or I might fear that you're very disappointed in me. Or I might, even, I might think I'm talking to a wall. So you know what? Hashem sfasai tiftach Before I recite this script, before I deliver this message, before I articulate this, uh, this statement, Hashem sfasai tiftach. Hashem move my lips. Help me feel connected to what I'm about to say. Help me be confident there's someone listening on the other end of the line. Hashem sfasai tiftach. But the other thing that we do before we daven is we're somech ge'ula latfila. Ga'al Yisrael. Before I turn to you, Hashem, with all my needs, with all my wants, with everything I need, I say, you know what? You answered, you answered us before. So I'm latching on. I'm not necessarily feeling connected to the higher power. I'm latching on to you right now as a higher power. How? Ga'al Yisrael. With those two words, I just went in super speed through 6,000 years of Jewish history. 4,000 years of Jewish history. Ga Yisrael, I just went in a, in a time machine through Jewish history by saying those two words that brought me up to this moment in time. Tavshin Ayin Tes. Cheshvan. Here I am, but I didn't begin Tavshin Ayin Tes. First, I went through almost 6,000 years. Every time I say the words Ga Yisrael, I think about what we navigated as a people, what we survived, what we triumphed, what we transcended, where we've arrived, how we're here and how you guided us every step of that way. And now, now I can ask you to help me with my job or help my daughter pass her driving test or help me not be delayed on my way to the airport or help my stock go do well so I can pay for a simcha coming up or help me, whatever, whatever I'm worried about or thinking about or doing, before I can ask Hashem for help with that in real time, well, how do I know He's there and why would I believe He's going to help me and why do I think He interferes with the world? Why? Go al Yisrael. What gives me the confidence and the faith to turn now and ask for whatever I'm going to ask for is because those two words that precede it. When I say Gal Yisrael first, what I'm saying is Hashem, just like you were present in the past, I believe you're present in my present and in my future. And what gives me that faith, what gives me that strength, what gives me that confidence is the two words Gal Yisrael. So when you have Bitachon, when you trust in Hashem, that's the essence of all of life. We're going through this world where Hashem is invisible. Hashem is hiding. And that's on purpose and that's by design. We've talked about that a lot in the past. Because if He were visible and He were accessible, we would have no free will. If we had no free will, there'd be no purpose to life. The purpose of life is free will that we make choices. We can make the right ones or the wrong ones and the results of the relationships that we have. Without free will, if we were automated robots, pre-programmed automated robots, there'd be no purpose to life. You can't have free will if God is visible. Just like you don't speed past the policeman on the highway. You only have free will because he's invisible and because there's room for doubt and uncertainty which creeps into every one of our lives. So when we take that leap of faith, when we overcome the doubt and uncertainty, when we live our lives, when we live our lives feeling, believing, mindful that Hashem is with me, He's right next to me. He's watching what I'm watching. He's listening to what I'm talking about. He sees what I'm eating. He's rooting me on. He's rooting me on when I've persevered and overcame that temptation and did the right thing, even when I felt pressure, internal or external, not to. He's cheering me on. He's celebrating when he sees me do an act of chesed or give staka or make time for him or make time for his other children. 
He's there and disappointed in me for the wrong things, and he's right over my shoulder and has the biggest smile when I'm giving him nachas ruach for the right things. Bitachom, living life with trust, living life that he's with me, that he's over my shoulder, that he's locked in my arm, that he is my companion through life in all moments, in all moments. That's ikr hayir of emunah, that's the core of everything. And therefore, a person who lives with that is zochal liolam haba. Of course you're zochal liolam haba. When would I invite, which child will I invite to come with me on a luxury vacation and experience Gan Eden? The one who I talk to every single day? The one who I hear from very infrequently, barely ever, maybe when they need something? Who am I inviting with me on the all-expense-paid luxury vacation in the Gan Eden in this world? So Kodesh Baruch Hu says, you want to enter Olam Haba? Who gets the best seat with me on the vacation in the sky in the Gan Eden of, of eternity? The one who talked to me every day. The child who made room for me in their life every single day. So you talk to Hashem every single day. You thank Hashem. Who are you going to invite? Which child is going to come with you on the all-expense vacation? The one who was Magieli, who lived an entitled life, who never said thank you, who took everything you did for them for granted, who never showed appreciation, who never paid it forward, who never shared it, who wasn't generous with it, who never checked in with you. That's the one that you're running to, to shower with, uh, with uh, to spoil? Or the child who you did nothing for and still they went crazy with gratitude for every little thing that you did. The child who checked in on you, who worried about you, who took care of you, who spoke to you, who confided in you. So Akash Baruch is the same way. Who gets into Olam Haba? Who spends eternity with him on vacation? Not the child who neglected him, who took it for granted, who was entitled, who never said thank you, who didn't pay it forward, who never spoke to him. We are Akash Baruch Hu's children. Like every parent, he wants to hear from us. It's the famous Chidush Arim on last week's Pasha. What's the punishment of the snake? Crawls on his belly and he eats from the dust of the earth. And the Fidu Sharim says, eats from the dust of the earth is a punishment? What kind of punishment? It's a reward. Adam has to work the field. He has to plow and he has to plant and he has to harvest and he has to sow and he has to grind and he has to bake and he has to... That's hard work. That's difficult. What's the Nachash's destiny? All, all are paid, all you can eat, Buffet. That's your destiny. That's a punishment, says the Chidush Arim. You know why that's a punishment? Because when you say to your child, you know what? Here's the credit card. Don't call me. I don't want to hear from you. Don't call me. See, the gift of needing things is a relationship. When you send your kid to college, you say, here's the first $100 on the debit card. When you need more, call me. Call me. So you've given that child a gift because they may not realize it, but they're going to call you and there's going to be a relationship. Because your presence in their life is going to be, you're going to help them, you're going to guide them through school, you're going to check in with them, you're going to redirect them, you're going to support them in difficult times. So the fact that they need you and have to call you is a gift to them because now you have a relationship. So Chidush HaRim, the Gei Rebbe says, HaKosh Baruch told the Nachash, you know what your punishment is? Here is the credit card, there's no limit, spend whatever you want, I don't want to hear from you. I don't want to hear from you. But to us, to men, he said, here's, here's the first hundred bucks, when you use it up, call me. And you need something, you're going to call me. And that's a gift, because you know what happens when you need something and you call him? The result is a relationship. It's the other thing we spoke about in the women's share, the inside of the Chassam Sofer, based on the Maharal. What right do we ever have to daven for other people? The core of davening is, the axiom of davening is it has to be from, driven by an internal need. Hashem, I need you. So how can I daven for someone else? The answer is that when someone else lacks something, it becomes my need. Sam Sofer says, the only right I ever have to daven for someone else is because whatever they're going through is really a need of mine. 
It's not that Hashem, I'm all good, I got everything, I'm all good. But then, Nebuch, they, their health, Nebuch, their parnasa, Nebuch, their children. Nebuch. No, it's that if their health, their parnasa, their children are no good, Hashem, I'm no good. I'm no good. I can't sleep at night because of what they're going through. So I'm not dominating for them. Hashem, I'm dominating for me, which is, it sounds selfish, but it's at the core of what a real davening, of what a real relationship is, is that I'm not so benevolent and magnificent. I'm not so magnanimous. I'm not doing this for somebody else. It's me. It's me, Hashem. If they're in pain, I'm in pain. I'm doing this for me. I'm doing this for me. So at the core of a meaningful life of getting into Olam Haba is living with Bitachon. And how do you live with Bitachon? You could daven with Bitachon or you could daven at empty words. You could daven with Bitachon, you could daven flying through. Flying through. I was in another city this week. I won't mention which one because at the shul I went to, the early minion, had to catch the flight back. The early minion, the exact same time, they have two minyonim. One goes a little slower, and one on Rosh Chodesh was done in 39 minutes with leaning, Tushmon Esrei's, Halal, whatever. So I think the Gabi looked at me afterwards and he said, he must have seen my face, he said, don't worry, it's sanctioned by the rabbi. And I'm not criticizing Baruch Hashem, those people, I believe Yitzchak and would say, Hashem, look at your children, they don't even want to daven, they got to run to work, but still they find time to come here and in 39 minutes bang out a davening to you. Right? So, okay, it's a beautiful thing. I'm not, I'm not Khalila criticizing them whatsoever. I'm just saying that davening, you could spend time talking to Hashem, confiding in Hashem, trusting in Hashem. It can be an exercise in bitachon. It could be affirming, Hashem, I see you through history, and that's why I'm confident you're going to be with me through my destiny. Or you could just be in a race to get to the end of the sitter. I don't even remember saying any of the words. I don't know what any of the words mean. I don't even remember where it was. I just know check, check, check. Shachar, check. Hala, check. Shachar, check. Musaf, check. Uh, check, check, check. Done. Done till Mincha. So which is it? Is it a conversation? You can call your parent because, you know, oh, I got to call my mother. I got to call my father and speak to them today. Check. I wasn't really listening. I was multitasking. I didn't really have anything to say. I just wanted to get off the phone as quickly as possible. Check. I wish them a good job. It's check. Done. That's one. Or you could call and you could say, I look forward to, I need some advice. I want to give them chizik. I need to, I, I need to get chizik. So which is, which is our davening? So when you're somach ge'ula l'tfila. So symbolically, if you have an interruption between ge'ula and tfila, if between Gaal Yisrael and now my turning to Hashem, there's an interruption, there's a barrier, there's time, there's a conversation, there's a disconnect between those two things, that was like just calling Hashem to say Shabbos. I'm done. Whereas if you connect the two and they represent a continuum, I go from history to destiny, the past to the present to the future. Hashem, I see your guiding hand through every dimension of time and of life. So then that's bitachon. That's trusting in Hashem. And the more our davening is an exercise in bitachon. Basically what Revolba is saying is that when you walk away from davening, you should be strengthened in your trust. You should have greater bitachon than when you walked in. The experience of turning to Hashem and saying, here's how I need you. Here's what I want to say thank you for. Here's what I'm protesting and objecting to. That experience of doing that daily three times a day should leave me each time feeling closer, feeling stronger connection with Him. In order to understand this, we have to understand four core principles, and we will begin to cover it. I'm not here next week, I'm sorry, I know we just started, but after that, I'll be here. I'll be here. I have, a, I have a meeting I have to go to, but uh, so I'm not on next week. But after that, Bli Nader, Bli Ayanara, we'll be straight shooting from there. But we'll pick up Revolba then with these four nikudos of how it is that davening is the binyan of bitachon. Well, how do you exercise the muscle of bitachon by davening? By davening. All right, we'll pick it up there. Thank you.